This is the 966 episode 77. Mr. Richard Wilson, hello. Lucian Ziegler, great. Hello, another good one. Another good one. Yeah. Well, they're all good. It's just they get slightly better each week only because we get better each week. Um, and the guests right, are all theory. equally good. So uh, there's no judgment there, but we're Although, just getting a little bit more practice here. I have to admit, my mom gave me a rather harsh critique. Uh-oh. She said about the last one. She said, you know, Dr. Uh, I mean, not, I mean, a- Antonia Carver was really, really good. But, and then she sort of... <laughs> Mom, I got another call. I got. <laughs> no, I wish you can't do that. You can't do that. You just have to say, yeah. Well, I'll work on that. I say like way too much. You say like way too much? I say like way too much. That's according to my mom. That's one of the things. Okay. So I will try and do better. Well, we know a really good public speaking coach. His name is Bill Connor. He's a listener and he's a fan and he's a friend. So he's maybe you and I are both. Yeah. Maybe we're in need of a spiritual retreat with Bill and he can coach us up. <laughs> thanks, um, for, thanks for bringing up Bill. Bill has been on my my case about my background and I got to get into a different background and I got to get a step and repeat with the 966 logo and, you know, Seussic uh, review and that sort of thing. I just haven't gotten it done. So I, <laughs> this is like, this is like a mea culpa tour. Sorry, mom. Sorry, Bill. I'll try and do better. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, if you're a 966 listener on Apple podcasts or really anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify as well, you don't see Richard's background. So you're not as offended by the curtain that you see. Oh, that's him. true. So that's um, one upside to bonking. Yeah. You know, every week. Yeah. Now, if you are watching us on YouTube um, and you can see all of our interviews and conversations and segments of different things like last week, Richard, we've got and just every week we've got all of our conversations broken down into segments there. So we really attract new listeners that way. People that just want to hear one or two segments. But if you are watching us on YouTube, you will see any number of cats going in behind me. And that's I want to make sure they get some screen time here so that they get their SAG card. Um, but uh, SAG card. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Richard, we've got a really good one this week. We're going to just focus on our interview here with Mr. Steve Lutz from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Longtime friend, been with the Chamber of Commerce for 15 years um, and just is really um, very active over there with the U.S.-Saudi business program, doing stuff really with a lot of different Middle Eastern countries and traveling there all the time. Just a great discussion. He's just, he's so good. He is good. He's a relentlessly good person too. But I mean, I think, and I think he's just, he's well-regarded and respected, uh, you know, here and and abroad for doing good work and the chamber's doing good work. And it's been our, our pleasure and our, a blessing, really, that we've been able to you know work with the U.S. Chamber and get to know Steve over the years. So this is this is this is a good conversation. He's also a really good interview. I mean, like we've known him for forever. Yes. He's like so fun to hang out with, and he's um, a really intelligent dude. But um, he's a really good interview. Um, so I was I was stoked Truly. for that. I mean, it's, it's uh, really cool. So please enjoy. We are joined now by Mr. Steve Lutz from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, right across from the White House in Washington, D.C. Steve is Vice President, Middle East Affairs at the U.S. Chamber. He's been there for over 15 years. The U.S. Chamber is the world's largest business organization, and he's been our friend for a while now. Steve, thank you for joining us. Delighted to be here uh, with, as you said, uh, two old good friends, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to join you today. This is a treat because I, I guess by definition this is work. I mean, this is a this is a, a program we do, the nine six six. But 
you know, since you're a friend, this is just like a, a, a chat. And I just want to say, we do know the chamber pretty well, U.S. Chamber, and we do love going down to that building. And Lucian doesn't like it when I go because some time ago, because it is right across from the White House, across Lafayette Square, right? That's that's right. It's yep. it's, it's it's lovely. And and some time ago, you know, I was complaining about driving down there, and Lucian said, "Oh, I have a secret parking parking spot." You stole it from me. <laughs> yeah, from I'm still bad about it. It was such a great spot, and every time I go see, go see you guys, uh, Richard's car is there, and I'm. <laughs> Still, still mad about it. <laughs> well, you're not going to publicize that location right now, are you? Because then, then no, everybody... no, we can't. We can't. No, it, it's it our secret me. now. Yeah, <laughs> that, that special fishing hole. You know, you just you don't want word to spread too wide. Yep. <laughs> no, um, we have done a number of partnerships with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and one of the things Lucian mentioned that it's um the largest business federation. I mean, it's it's uh, it's gigantic. I mean, you represent three million companies. Uh, 2,800 state and local chambers, 830 business associations, over 100 million, 100 American chambers of commerce abroad. You know, you may be the largest political, you know, policy group in terms of advocating. Uh, but one of the things that Lucian and I have always appreciated, Steve, working with you and Kush and all your colleagues over there is how personable, how personal and friendly and how welcoming you've always been on projects that that you feel you know that are furthering everyone's interest are promoting u.s business abroad uh, we just i just want to take a shout out you know because you wonderful to work with steve and and lucian and i want to thank you very much yeah seconded that yeah well i i've got to say too and uh, right back at you in a sense that um since i joined our, our middle east team at the u.s chamber and we put a priority on the U.S.-Saudi relationship. You, you, you both have been there from the start and what we've been aspiring to do. And it's great to see, you know, your efforts blossoming into the to the 966 and uh, other activities as well, of course. But uh, really cool platform. And I know you're you're doing uh, God's work in the sense that you're you're <laughs> out there, you know, advocating for a deeper, broader, stronger relationship. And that is much appreciated. And that, of course, very much aligns with what we're trying to do at the chamber when it comes to the U.S.-Saudi economic relationship. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Very great. Greatly appreciated. So let's talk about the chamber. You've been there how long? 17 years? Yeah. Well, I'd have to count exactly. But yeah, it's, it's roughly? September of 2007, I uh, moved over. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a huge organization and, and you've sort of been on the, in the international side and specifically the Middle East side. Um, can you tell us, give us a context about what you're doing now? Um, and then we'll get in later. I want to get into your perspective and how things have evolved, especially with these Saudi Arabia and, and the things you're seeing now. But can you tell us a little bit about the U.S. KSA business program and other things you guys are involved with? No, no, absolutely. Um, well, I've been for I have been fortunate to have been there since uh, 2007. Uh, the majority of that time spent uh, in our international division, specifically on the Middle East team. And it, a little uh, interesting, two interesting factoids. You know, in the chamber, the international division, you know, oftentimes in chamber is thought of for what we're doing domestically, engaging mm -hmm. Congress, the alphabet soup of regulatory agencies. Richard, you missed some of the political work. But in fact, it's the international division that's the largest part of the chamber mm -hmm. um, in many respects, you know, that reflects the aspiration of our members, which is that a lot of the, the growth opportunities, 
um, are abroad. You know, not that the United States is in a great place to do business, invest, and whatnot, um, but that a lot of the commercial opportunities to grow uh, companies, be they uh, small young startups or large multinationals, is, is taking place overseas. And then within that context, actually, the uh, the Middle East within international. Um, is the largest department. Again, um, something that wow. you might not intuitively think of. You might think uh, Asia or Europe or uh, any of the other uh, geographies, but it's uh, in fact the Middle East uh, department that's the largest. Again, I think reflecting a lot of the opportunity, um, but also, you know, because it boils down to kind of what we're doing, which is is helping American companies kind of peel back that onion and figure out how to succeed and do business um, in these markets. So I think it's both the opportunity side as well as some of the challenges, um, you know, understanding those and how to work through those that they face. But we're really proud um, of that fact. And then when you look at uh, the different markets within the Middle East, um, I think we spend the lion's share of our time focused on uh, the U.S.-Saudi uh, economic relationship. And part of that is because of, uh, you know, Vision 2030, um, matched with the fact that U.S. companies remain uh, the go-to choice for Saudis, be they the Saudi government or Saudi businesses. And they understand that U.S. companies continue to provide, you know, that cutting edge innovation and the long enduring partnerships uh, that have existed in all these different new sectors that are coming um, online and really are the future of the economy. So as the, uh, at the chamber with our U.S. Saudi business program, we're really trying to harness all of that. Um, and that is, you know, if you were to vastly oversimplify it, I'd put it in two buckets, you know, the one bucket being convening activities, events, um, be it business missions, roundtables, forums that bring together American business leaders with um, their Saudi counterparts, both in the private sector, but also within the Saudi government, the decision makers. And then that leads into that second bucket, which is the, the policy regulatory environment. And a lot of what we're doing is, is not only trying to understand what those commercial and trade and investment opportunities are, but to also engage on, you know, the, the policy regulatory environment that companies are doing business in. Um, and we, we always have a mind, um, you know, that it's a win-win scenario. Uh, we want to talk to Saudi policymakers and regulators about, you know, the, the, what they put forward is going to shape, you know, investment decisions, uh, whether companies growing, whether they're pulling back, uh, whether they're going in for the first time and their ease of business and operating in the kingdom. So we want to do that with a lens toward, yes, uh, you know, regulate as you need to, but let's not put unnecessary burdens in the way of business. Let's not, you know, over-regulate it to the point where you're pushing uh, potential investment dollars, you know, into into neighboring markets or elsewhere around the globe. So that's a conversation that we're kind of constantly engaged in um, with Saudi across the whole government, um, because there is so much going on right now. It's uh, in some respects, it's hard to, as you know, well, it's it's hard to keep up uh, with yeah. the rapid pace of reform and, and activity in that space. But that's really where, you know, that that intersection of both kind of business development and and policy and regulatory development that's kind of that intersection is where we find it to be our strength and where we're playing you know most of the time well let's take advantage of your experience at the chamber and because you've seen a lot you've overseen a lot you've introduced and created a lot so when was when was essentially in your mind uh because i realized previously it was sort of a middle east program but when was the usa saudi business program 
launched that you can give it an art, you're not necessarily specific, but just the sort of the typical date, what, what you think, what that roughly year was. Yeah. Well, it, um, it interestingly, it, it, um, predated vision 2030. Right. Um, but I would say that, you know, it was, it was two or three years before, uh, the, the launch of vision 2030, but in my mind, you know, vision 2030, really ignited a spark of activity, you know, that we haven't slowed down since. And I would say, including during the pandemic, if anything, during the pandemic, um, our work, you know, was probably three, four X, you know, in, in terms of what we were doing with respect to the Saudi program. So we have seen it evolve and, you know, much of the conversations before, as I think, as you would attest to, a lot of that was focused on um, what the how the how the relationship has gotten us to where we are today so a lot of that you know was with the energy companies was with security companies uh, companies in the financial services space um, but with vision 2030 and kind of the 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 mandate to diversify and the need to diversify uh, the kingdom's economy you know we've seen kind of interest and discussion in a whole range of sectors uh, unfolding. And some of these are just getting started now and others are actually much more evolved at this point. Um, but I think that's where a lot of the excitement and a lot of the activity is. Again, not to um, not to say that those uh, sectors that have gotten us to where we are today, uh, energy, finance, security are going away, uh, certainly not. Um, but there's a lot we can learn from those and, and, and in many respects replicate kind of those longstanding partnerships between the companies in the kingdom. Um, but a lot of the dynamism, I think, is in in a lot of these kind of new new economy sectors, if you will. So really interesting. That, that's sort of where I wanted to get to, because I, I recall it was actually 2014, because I, I can remember coming over and sitting down with you and Kush uh, and our friend Omar, Omar Balewa was there. And so I think it was 2014 when it was either coming together or germinating. And and you 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 do make an interesting point, you know, the sort of the linchpin, the backbone, the foundations for so long of, of, of the U.S. corporate relationship with Saudi Arabia was energy, finance, security related. And that's sort of what I want to get to is, is you know, let's go back to 2014. A lot of the interest in Saudi Arabia was people who were there. Then there was interest because, hey, this is opaque. It might be a promising market. We just don't understand it. Can you help us? Um, but everything went on, you know, went on, on hyperdrive, you know, in 2016. And actually a few years after that, when some of the things started getting in place, that's what I want the before and after. So you talked, so you have the before you have sort of the, the workhorses, the, the, the U S corporates with a long record and, and presence and partnership in Saudi Arabia, and then some others, the group, I imagine the membership group has grown. Uh, significantly, and can you, and and you talk about new industries, two parts, if I can, Steve. I'll throw two two part question at you, which is not very fair. One, can you talk a little bit about the new industries in terms of diversification and that are growing and and more, uh, you know, increasing interest? And two, the regulatory environment, how it has changed, if it has changed. Yeah, no, well, important questions, and I I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, that that time frame sounds precisely right. You have a better memory than I do, though, to nail down <laughs> dates. 
uh, it all kind of blurs together. Do, do not, together. Add, do not, do not, I do. I, I, please say that again. I'll share that with my wife because she will just. <laughs> What's my birthday, Richard? Exactly. <laughs> it does mark, remind me that I have my wife's uh, birth date and anniversary coming up soon. So I'm going to scratch a couple of notes here to uh, remind myself. <laughs> on that. Um, but, but no, Richard, I think you, uh, great questions that I think really portend the future of, of the, the bilateral economic relationship when you think about it. Um, on those, those new areas, again, I, I, it's, this is no way to diminish you know, right. those sectors that we're talking right. about because they're going to be strong going forward. And I, you uh, never want to take anything as a, uh, uh, you, know, um, you never just want to assume, but you know, we're going to continue to tend to those and, and those relationships will of course still be there and, and those will be fruitful relationships. But what we're seeing, um, you know, and, and we were, uh, and Lucian, I think you were there at the same time, we were in Saudi just after the LEAP conference um, and there were some, you know, massive announcements. And I think everything that LEAP kind of embodies really embodies many, in many respects, uh, one of those key areas, which is, you know, kind of the digital economy and technology. Um, you know, we, we know how plugged in Saudi Arabians are in, as individuals, uh, their companies, their country, um, their government. You know, that to me, we haven't hardly scratched the surface, I think, of what the future is going to be in that space. And if you look at a lot of the, the time that we spend on that second piece on the on the regulatory environment, I think they, they actually kind of go well together. Mm -hmm. um, Saudi's just starting to shape, you know, their kind of regulatory ecosystem. Um, as you, I'm sure you're fully aware, they've had under under work now for over a couple of years, the PDPL, the Personal Data Protection Law. And that's something, you know, credit to uh, Minister Swaha, to Sadaya, NDMO, and that broader ecosystem. I think that's become a best in case or a best uh, best in case um, kind of blueprint for how we would like to see government consult, engage, dialogue with the private sector uh, because it's been robust and the door has been wide open. Uh, we've been at the table really from the beginning, and you know we've been working with our members then, of course, because uh, no by no means is Steve Lutz the uh, the expert when it comes to. Uh, cross-border data flows and all of the different uh, considerations and nuances of a data law like that. But guess what? We have great member companies who are experts and have been down this road before, worked on this issues, worked on these issues in other markets who have people with a lot of breadth and depth um, in this. And the chamber, in fact, has people on our team who work on these issues around the globe that we draw upon. So we're able to kind of bring all of those perspectives to bear and have a conversation with the, the kind of the Saudi decision makers that are guiding the PDPL. And we've been able to give them all sorts of input and ideas um, as they uh, design and, and reform that, uh, that law going forward. And I know, I think the next iteration um, will be coming soon. And we are grateful that they've incorporated a, a lot of our, our recommendations, um, not just for the self-serving interest, but because it, it'll ultimately create a better product that will drive more investment, that will drive more innovation um, from American companies and more partnerships uh, with, with American companies. So, you know, that's a great melding of, uh, of a, a new, uh, really important emerging sector and kind of that, that policy regulatory piece that we've seen. And we'd like to see that kind of mushroom, you know, uh, across a lot of these other areas, uh, be it in kind of uh, life sciences and genomics, 
um, you know, be it in, you know, other areas that we're starting to see a lot more interest in in the creative industries. Um, you know, we're, we're doing a lot with the kind of Netflixes and the Amazons um, and talking to the Saudis, obviously uh, an incredibly uh, young, dynamic, creative population. I think, again, just scratching the surface when it comes to that. Uh, there's so much more to do in, in that space as well. Um, and I'm, you know, of course, tourism, uh, when we're talking about 2014, I mean, um, imagine the challenge to get a visa to get to Saudi. Um, now, you know, uh, yes, I may have a, a five-year visa in my uh, passport, but I, yeah. I just continue doing the e-visa. Um, it's so easy. It's so easy. Yeah. Uh, why not? <laughs> I mean, so I, I think, uh, again, a huge opportunity beyond what was historically religious tourism to tap into Aola, Red Sea Project, and Neom, and all of these things that are coming online. Of course, uh, Daria Gate, the boulevard right there in Riyadh. Um, it's so exciting, you know, to see how the, the kingdom's evolving in, in all of these areas, and probably several that I didn't mention. Well, I, I love your, your reference to the person data pr- protection policy. Um, and I'll be, I'll be less diplomatic than you. When it was, when it was announced, it was a fail. It was far too restrictive. It would have throttled, you know, a business in a, in a huge way. You know, no, no, really, no really business, international company that had, you know, had to move data around the world could have done their work. And this was made clear and, and the Saudi government responded. And I think this is important to point out because that seems to be representative of the new approach. Uh, obviously responding, much more quick response, flexibility, listening. Um, we had an interesting, Lucian, we did a one big thing on the National Competitive Center, Competitiveness Center and their platform that basically takes surveys on behalf of key ministries when they're considering policies and, you know, so they get an intake and then this all feeds back in. So is this something, I, you know, I don't want to, I do, is this something that you've seen, first of all, just a, 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 an openness to this and a rapid response to these questions? Uh, 100%. Um, I think you're right. The PDPL, to their credit, you know, it started off, there was all sorts of issues and challenges with that, but they, they listened and they, they took that feedback and it has evolved. Um, is there always nits and things that we still might have a, a little issue here, a little, of course, and we haven't seen what that latest version, um, but it has made leaps and bounds, you know, in the direction that we wanted to see it go. And again, that's, and that's good for them. And it's certainly good for investment and, and innovation and U.S. companies that have big, big aspirations in the kingdom. Now, you, you beat me to it. I was going to mention um, the National Competitiveness Center uh, and um, Her Excellency Dr. Iman. I, I think they're at this kind of really important fulcrum of so much of this activity across the government. And I'd put uh, the Ministry of Investment in there as well. You know, we as the as the private sector, we need our advocates, you know, to go to bat for us. Um, you know, perhaps it's on a, a Saudiization issue. Um, maybe it's on a local content issue that, again, you know, maybe in the initial iteration of a, a draft regulation, it doesn't quite um, reflect kind of real world realities. And it may look good on paper, but when you start talking through how it's going to be operationalized with companies and investors, it just doesn't quite get there. Um, so instead of going directly to that ministry or that regulator, it's always great or along with you, you know, to have the NCC and or MISA kind of going along with you to make the case that, look, to unleash new investment dollars, to make the kingdom more competitive, we need to listen to what, what the private sector has to say. 
because it's far, far easier, you know, to adjust uh, a proposed regulation before it's finalized, as opposed to chasing it afterwards and trying to go behind it and fix it. Um, so our point is, let's set up, let's institutionalize uh, a process by which, you know, particularly when there's going to be something that's broad and impacts uh, a lot, a good chunk of the economy or a, a really critical sector, let's have a process in place to make sure that we're uh, that we're hearing the input from the private sector, and and we're and there's an opportunity for us to to have a say at that and be at the table, um, because it's in everybody's interest, you know, to try to get these things right or as close to right, um, right out of the gate, um, as opposed to having to chase it on the back end. Well, and again, going along in this vein, in a new world in terms of receptivity and public-private uh, communications, uh, last summer, you, you hosted a, a delegation from Mukatifa. Um, and I sent a note over to you and Liz. I said, who? I don't even know these guys. Can you put me to get to, to put? And so you put us in and we had the CEO and founder of Mukatifa, uh, Prince Raleed Ben Nasser Al Saud on the show, just a tremendous episode. The reason I mentioned this was what he's doing didn't exist in Saudi Arabia three years ago. Essentially, you know, uh, you know, having sectors, uh, you know, uh, communicate, organize, come together, you know, agree on what their issues are, uh, better communicate and advocate for their issues. And Mukatava is sort of a, 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 a nexus for this. Is this is that accurate? No, no, you're absolutely. And, you know, that's that's so vital. And you're right. It, it hasn't existed. Right. And, and the idea that you're going to kind of organize the the input along sectors like that and, and make sure the voice is heard is, is absolutely a game changer um, in, in many respects in my mind. So it's it's very exciting. And and one of the one of the things I thought was a sort of a fundamental game changing element part of it is, is, is in the old days, in the old days, but, and everybody has to do business under the, you know, it, within the guidelines that business is done. So previously, if you were, if you were a, a, a large contractor, uh, you would try and cultivate relationships within key ministries and they may not talk to each other, but you, you know, you, 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 on your own behalf, you try and, get ahead, which is what you're supposed to do as a, as a business leader and, you know, find the, you know, find the right access and, and turn the right keys and this sort of thing. Um, one of the reasons I think Mukatava is so interesting is because the, the way of doing business is different. Now you still obviously have to have these relationships, but essentially what's happened instead of finding the right guy in the government, uh, they're now organizing and say, okay, we're dealing with the government as a policy entirety. You know, it's not, we're not going to be able to work the government because the government has policy. Obviously, relationships matter. But do you understand what I'm trying to get at? The, the, the mode of operating has, has seemed to have changed. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and I think that, 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 no, you're spot on. And I think that's one of the things that's exciting as opposed to, to, to your point, Richard. Um, it, it completely relying on your company's ability to kind of get to that right person. Um, yes, at the end of the day, you're going to compete with companies uh, A, B, and C, you know, on that tender or that that new deal. Um, but when it comes to the playing field, you know, what are the rules of the game and shaping that that playing field? I think it's it, it's we're in a much better position if we go in as industry and kind of the sector heavyweights, you know be they the, the domestic players and the foreign investors and companies, 
uh, as a kind of a consortium, if you will, and say, like, look, if we really want to make the kingdom more competitive in this sector, um, we need to roll up our sleeves and get busy on, you know, A, B and C, you know, when it comes to that policy regulatory regime. And then once we make those improvements, we'll all compete like hell, you know, you know, on the business. But as opposed to going in as individual company, uh, Steve Lutz Inc., you know, let's let's join forces and let's go in and say, we, here's are the things that we really need to tackle uh, to make this sector much more competitive and attractive to investment. And yeah, I think uh, numbers are always going to prevail in a situation like that. Yeah, it's compelling when you can do that. And and I think that's the beauty of something like Mukatafa. Um, from the U.S. perspective, your 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 members in the in the business, you know, U.S. Saudi business program and others. You know, you you have a one of the nice things I like about the chamber is when you do things, it's not exclusive always. You know, it's a broader general audience that can attend. This is how how Sal Lucia and I get in. We can't afford membership. <laughs> <laughs> the um what do you hear from your members you know what are their major concerns yeah no well i think a lot of it now you know they like you were just describing richard um we have uh, what we've done is tried to organize ourselves on uh, a working group basis and it is very sectoral driven so a lot of the work that we've done on that you know going back to that example of the pdpl um, or some of the res- regulations that have come out of now CST on uh, digital platform content, uh, some of the things that are coming out of the National Cybersecurity Authority, we've organized ourselves as working groups. Now, what's interesting is that you would think, oh, uh, an ICT working group or a, a kind of an E, uh, um, a digital economy working group, uh, I'm sure it's just kind of uh, the IBMs and Googles and Metas. But in fact, you know, we have companies that are from the financial services industry on there. We have healthcare companies on there um, because at the end of the day, every company is a, a data company. Um, every company has, um, you know, kind of assets or skin in the game when it comes to those discussions. So it's actually quite broad, um, but it also allows us to then focus our efforts uh, in that space. So what we have found is a lot of the um, the issues that come forward are usually generated from those working groups. And we've got one um, as well in, in healthcare. And, you know, we continue, you know, when, but of course there's divisions within that you have the, the life sciences companies and biopharma companies, and then you have the kind of more medical device med tech companies, then you have the insurance companies. So they all have their kind of subset of issues, but at the end of the day, there are some overarching things. And one thing that we hear, and one of the things that we talk to the Saudis about is in the healthcare space, for example, is that you have a lot, you have a lot of stakeholders. So trying to get stakeholder alignment on, you know, how they go about providing market access and approval for new therapies, new technologies, that's super important. And and making sure along the way that it it respects the intellectual property, um, oftentimes of our our member companies, and make sure that they're not letting anything slip into the market um, with the green light and the, the approval of the government before it should. Um, you know, so the, the great thing is we have a, a great partner there at the Saudi uh, IP Authority, a relatively new entity that I know I'm personally excited about having a, a caretaker in the Saudi government that's focused on um, having a robust intellectual property regime. Hey, that's important, you know, for a lot of American companies across a lot of industries because life, uh, you know, the lifeblood of their company is their, is their IP um, and making sure that that's respected and protected um, is going to be really key, you know, to, you know, driving more investment. And 
innovative type activities like setting up R&D centers and whatnot uh, in the kingdom. So those types of issues usually come about um, from conversations at a, at a, going back to what you were talking about, Richard, uh, on a kind of sectoral by sectoral level. There are overarching things. Um, you know, we, we hear a lot of companies talking about uh, a lot of the, um, the, the local content mandates that are coming, uh, the regional headquarters question. We hear a lot of inquiries on uh, things that kind of cut across the entire economy. Um, you know, the, the VAT, which uh, was increased during COVID, it, it, off the top of my head, you know, those are three things that, that often come up um, regardless of what sector you're in. Um, but again, what we're focused on is making sure, and we have found uh, receptive uh, Saudi decision makers that are willing to talk to the companies on all of those issues. And, you know, I would say all of those things are, are evolving. And the good thing, though, is that as in the you were talking about the past, sometimes uh, we couldn't get an audience. We couldn't have a conversation around those topics. But nowadays, um, it's it's uh, the doors open, the doors open to dialogue. And we can talk through these things so that that the Saudi decision makers on those issues kind of understand the perspective um, you know, of our member companies. And not just our, our members really reflect in many respects, you know, kind of the international business community, you know, as these issues come up. Yeah, there seems to be a significant alignment. Incentives are aligned and, and everyone's sort of pulling towards the same result, you know, same goal. <clears throat> now you are, uh, you, you, both you and Lucian were just in Riyadh. Um, you know, you, you were laying the groundwork. Do you have a delegation uh, going over later this year? Yeah, you know, we've been talking about a lot of these these new these new sectors, um, you know, really, I think what bodes well for the future of the U.S. Saudi economic relationship, we're planning on taking um, in and uh, we haven't locked the exact dates in, but post Labor Day before UNGA in New York, a uh, innovation business delegation. And we expect that to focus um, really in a lot of the different innovative sectors. But then again, uh, what sector doesn't have innovation? But I think we'll see kind of coalescing around that digital economy that we were talking about. Um, I would expect to see uh, a lot of participation in, in the healthcare, the life sciences, genomics, med tech. Um, and then also in an area where we haven't talked a lot about in, in kind of the uh, energy and, and climate, um, all things sustainability, carbon circular economy. I, I think there's a, a huge, huge opportunity in that space. And it doesn't get talked a lot about, um, but I, I think the Saudis are, are leaning into that and, and are very serious um, about that. And I think it bodes well for the chamber and our members and companies broadly uh, to come over uh, to Saudi Arabia and find out about the opportunities and what that evolution is going to look like in that space. They just stood up um, a research development and innovation authority, um, which, um, you know, just late last year, uh, which I think will be focusing on exactly what you're talking about. I know you have other partners and there's logical uh, places to plug in, but so that's exciting. So that's going to happen in September. That's the game plan. You've got uh, it. Uh, yeah, is there a is there a website or anything out there that uh, we'll have we'll share it with you we haven't we haven't built that out yet this right. um, what we were doing on this trip was I essentially going over to lay the groundwork and and make sure that this would be re well received and and uh, we got the thumbs up and, and basically in every meeting and and sometimes more than thumbs up like you know let's <laughs> can you let's do, can, can, you we, do it can tomorrow? we move it up a few months um, <laughs> can we get it coming next month I mean in in very you know to their credit, Saudi fashion, you know, let's get this done now. Um, 
but obviously, you know, it takes a while to corral. Uh, we want to bring a big delegation, a, a robust delegation, a mix of, you know, those companies that have been there in Saudi and maybe explore like what else can you be doing? And can you can you pivot left, right? Can you deepen what you're doing? Um, and then also companies that would be new to the space, you know, that, that haven't dipped their toes in the water or maybe maybe they dip their toes, but they haven't dove in yet um, <laughs> and, you know, see what we can do to, to get some new investment, new business activity from a mission like this. But I, I think it's a great opportunity to, you know, for the kingdom, not only to, to showcase what they're doing in a lot of these areas, but also to match that up with U.S. interest and frankly, U.S. technology and capability in a lot of these spaces. Um, and again, try to drive that future of the bilateral economic relationship. Um, Steve, I, just one more question on, at least from my end and, and um, feel, feel free to kind of go anywhere with this, but I mean, you, you're, you've been doing a lot over in Riyadh. Richard just mentioned we were just there at the same time and, and Richard's going in a couple of weeks, um, but you've been there a lot. You've been in and out of the region a lot. And then, um, you know, Egypt and the UAE and other places as well. But a lot of what you're doing as well is hosting Saudis that come to the U.S. Um, and I guess I'm going to do a, a sort of Richard in a two-part question. One, do you have more activities coming up in the coming weeks and months here in the U.S. that maybe U.S. companies could potentially attend um, if they're not ready to make a trip over to Saudi Arabia yet? And then the second part of that is a lot of times when you do these events, you have uh, HRH Princess Rima attend and speak and engage with the audience. How valuable is she as a partner for you guys in, in what you're doing? Well, let me start there with that, that, you know, and I, I feel bad for not mentioning it earlier. We mentioned uh, how great Minister Al-Swaha and, and his peers in that ecosystem have been, and the uh, same with uh, Dr. Abdulaziz at Saip and Dr. Iman. But really, uh, for us, uh, Princess Rima, Hiroa Highness, she's an anchor, you know, here as the ambassador. I mean, she is is willing to, to meet with and take meetings with companies, you know, that, that come here to Washington and help navigate and understand what those opportunities or sometimes challenges are uh, in Saudi Arabia. But she's also a great advocate, you know, for a, a much more robust and, and broader uh, economic relationship and the and the relationship overall. But she has really been a pivotal, essential partner in everything that we're doing uh, at the chamber, and, and we're really grateful for the advocacy that and the activity that she gives, you know, to the economic pillar of the relationship. Obviously, it's a it's a dynamic, broad relationship, but she does give a lot of time and attention, you know, to that economic pillar, uh, because we, I think she appreciates, like we do, um, you know, that it is so fundamental. And at the end of the day, it's a it's a win win. And there's a lot of potential. We're already doing a lot in the space, but there's so much more potential there. You're right. Her business background, her work with the Olympic Committee. I mean, there, there's so much there um, that she draws upon. And then she's also just a genuine. Um, person who I think is all about, you know, driving results and and trying to do things that, that build a better bilateral relationship. And I, I think that it's incredibly sincere and genuine on her part. And, and you couldn't ask, as you said, for a better diplomat. So I would give her a lot of credit for everything she's done. And, and we look forward to continuing to work with her. Um, and yes, when it comes to uh, inbound delegations, yes, we, we go out, you know, to Saudi Arabia and, and do a lot out in country but we always welcome the opportunity as Saudi officials, business leaders come this way to think creatively about how, you know, we can hear from them and, and, and talk policy, uh, but also to get the what's the latest and, and frankly, not just the latest now, but, you know, what are you forecasting? You know, what what's coming down the pipe? What's your priorities, you know, for the next 
six months, but also the next two, three years. So we can try to think strategically about how we can fit into that, uh, not just as a chamber, but oftentimes as individual member companies that we might have in the room with them. Now, a, a lot of this, um, some of this is buttressed around activities like the IMF World Bank meeting, which will happen in the spring. The fall meeting, I think, is actually in Morocco. So we're putting all of our eggs in that um, in that spring meeting basket, you know, and we know that traditionally um, the finance minister, uh, Minister Al-Jadan, comes in for that. We'll also bring the central bank governor, usually in a, in a robust delegation, perhaps the, uh, the minister of economy. Uh, part of our trip, uh, we just met him for the first time. Uh, as the as the chamber out in in Riyadh and and I have to say he was incredibly impressive and a, a broad swath of responsibility. So we do look forward to to ramping up our kind of collaboration with with him and the Ministry of Economy. In addition to kind of our longstanding kind of stakeholder partners like at the Ministry of Commerce, the Ministry of Investment, Finance, etc. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you know around you know kind of. The, the central bank and the capital markets authority. One of the other things we just talked about when we were in Riyadh um, with Minister Al Swaha helped pull this together was the fintech space. So again, it's another one of those electric, I think, um, emerging areas in the the policy, the regulatory environment's evolving and is going to open that up. So we're very excited to help U.S. companies kind of understand the opportunities and 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 we obviously need to continue to discuss the the regulatory work that's being done in that space. And then, you know, there'll be the, the UN um, in September, hopefully between uh, the IMF World Bank Spring Meeting and the UN, uh, there'll be uh, more visits that'll come in. I don't know of any others that are officially scheduled. Uh, the TIFA is actually happening out in Riyadh, gosh, is it, I think next week. Um, you know, so USTR will be out there for that. Uh, we'll have Liz Clark from our team uh, in, in Riyadh for that. Um, but we always are looking for those kind of government to government interactions or inbound officials uh, to pull together these types of discussions. Um, so, and, and, and the other thing that she does focus in, because I'm going to work this in, you know, so the, the, the Hoosiers did sweep Purdue, you know, for the first time in a long time in, in men's basketball. And of course, our women's basketball team is killing it too. But I have to say one of the best dinners I ever had, IU has an incredible uh, international alumni program. I uh, was talking to a friend and they're like huge, huge chapter in Riyadh of IU alumni. Oh, wow. So um, this was pre-pandemic. I got in touch with them and they took me out to kind of a traditional Saudi restaurant. And so we walk in and I thought, boy, how am I going to find these guys? Because I didn't know them. And then I look over in a corner and there's like 12 guys, you know, some of them have the IU hats on, other of them have their throws, but they have like an IU red sweatshirt <laughs> over it. Great dinner, great discussion. It cut across several generations of, of Hoosiers, like people that were my dad's age to some that had just graduated. But, and it brings me to a, a, an actual point other than that, that IU killed Purdue this year. Um, and that point <laughs> is that I, I, I love the fact, and it's been, again, one of those untold stories about how many Stouties study and walk away from the United States having earned, you know, degrees and they're there. I mean, Princess Rima is the epitome of a great diplomat, but all of these Saudi students, you know, are great diplomats in their own mm -hmm. right. Um, you know, and they go back, a lot of them will go into the Saudi government, they'll go into the, the, the business world. And, you know, they're great advocates at the end of the day for a, a stronger and, and more dynamic U.S. Saudi relationship. So 
I think that's, you know, there's a lot of untold stories, um, positive untold stories to the U.S.-Saudi relationship. And, and that's one, of course, uh, the three of us and those that are close to it know it, but I don't think it's something that's understood by a lot of Americans. Agreed. The very dynamic and very impressive Mr. Steve Lutz. Uh, move over Pitbull. We may have a new Mr. Worldwide. Steve is Vice President, Middle East Affairs of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, for over 15 years now, he's been with that esteemed organization. Steve, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. We really enjoyed it. Well, love being on the 966. Kudos to you both. And it's it's great to see with you, uh, see you both and to be with you. And, and look forward to seeing how you're going to continue to grow this thing. Congratulations. We will. And you, you're a star, Steve, and it's, uh, this is a great episode. Thanks so much. That was our conversation with Mr. Steve Lutz. Brilliant guy. Really good dude. Richard, good stuff, man. That was awesome. You said, you said it at the beginning. He really hits his mark. He, I mean, he's crisp. He knows his business. He knows his topics. Um, and he's so deeply involved and well-versed in the subject matter. That it's, it's really informative and, and really easy to sort of extract all the information he has to offer because it's very clear, very concise, really, really good interview. And shout out to his team as well that he mentioned him. He mentioned them in the interview, Liz Clark, um, Kush Chosky, those guys uh, and gals are working really hard with him. Um, they really just do a, a really wonderful job. So it was great to have him on Richard this week. We will be back next week with more of the traditional format, just you and me, as both of us are traveling to the region, Middle East region next week. A lot going on, Richard. We've got so many great interviews coming up as well. So stay tuned and thank you very much, Richard. This was awesome.